I had a million dollars. Hot dog! I'm Joel Volk, and welcome to Small BizCast, where twice a month I explore the lives of small business owners to dig a bit deeper and expose strengths, weaknesses, ideas, and challenges, with blemishes and all. Planning ahead is what it takes to prepare for the ever-changing landscape of business. Chris Passmore of Martini Partners is an expert with some great advice for all small business owners. As you listen to this interview, as a small business person, you will find comfort in knowing that you are not alone. Hopefully you'll learn something while finding inspiration and ideas from the people I introduce you to, like Chris. Hopefully you'll laugh a little too. Hot dog, it's a wonderful life. The firm is now managing Martini Upcovey Partners. Martini Partners, so it's gotten easier. (laughs) Okay, she she retired, right? Upcovey, Mary, Mary retired? Correct. Gotcha, but is it still MAP? We use them interchangeably. So it's Martini Partners or MAP. So one or the other. Gotcha, okay. They both work. It seems like there's been several changes in the in the branding identity of the firm. Has that been just trying to find the right thing is, and see what works or what's must be a bit disruptive, I would think? Well, it's been planned out for six years now. So originally it was Martini, Oswe, and Akpovi with the acronym of MIA, which was unfortunate, and also with the recognition that Yasui and Akpovi were difficult to pronounce. Right. Uh, at that point, we had a partner meeting. Do we want to change the name every time someone retires? Do we want to be a permanent brand? And how we want to approach the identity of the firm? So actually, it was five, six years ago that we decided that the ultimate ending brand was going to be Martini Partners, and that's permanent. And so as Don Yasway retired, he dropped off. So it became Martini Akpovi Partners uh, or MAP. And then the plan was when Mary retires, it was going to become Martini Partners. Uh, we still like the acronym of MAP. It still works. Steve's last name still starts with M-A. Um, some people say Martini and Partners. So even though I know it's a little bit of a stretch, it still works. So this has been long thought out and planned. So we just now finalized the branding and this is our permanent brand. So it has been disruptive, but it's been on purpose to get to where we are today. Gotcha. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting because you have that, it's an it's a unusual size firm. It's a very big regional firm, probably one of the biggest. It is. And I didn't want to create this scenario that every time someone retired, there was a jolt in the marketplace. And even though we had to go through some short-term pain to get here, I think in the long term, it was worth it because I, I like the branding. Steve was blessed with a very easy to remember and pronounce name. I like the acronym map and I like the presentation that we've come up with in the tagline. Right. So that, that was the ultimate goal here. And even though I'd love to have my name on the wall, it's just like you've met people from law firms where it's, you know, Bob, Sally, Bob, John, Mark, Ted, Fred and Larry. Right. I mean, it's, it's just bonkers. Now, can I just suggest that MAP could be, you know, Martini and Passmore? I, that thought too. I also thought that maybe I could slip that in and say, we, we kept the acronym to, uh, to give me a, you know, a <laughs> between the lines nod. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. And just one last question about that before we get onto the real topic is, um, what, what was the thought process between not just going directly to Martini to Martini Partners way back when. What was what was the reason for, for having that be a phased-in process and not just branding it from that moment on? Uh, well, it was primarily a nod to the founding partners and, and trying to be respectful of their presence in the community and, and not to just take two names off the wall 
from just a pure branding decision. So it was partly a respect of their positions within the firm and their founding of the firm. Gotcha. Okay. Does the firm have a, uh, a niche that you want to discuss and d- describe? So our niche is primarily in the middle market. We do a lot of M&A and a lot of international. So those are probably the two sexiest niches we have. A company that maybe um, because it's international and M&A, there's a lot of flexibility there. If a, a, an investor from a foreign country wants to invest in a, a local firm, you can handle that accounting challenge. Yeah. Anyone who's coming to the U.S., whether they have a business in Spain and want to open up a U.S. version or going the other direction, they want to manufacture offshore. And an example would be I have a client who wants to buy a house in Argentina. So I connected him to someone in Argentina to help him with that. So it can go both directions. But yes, generally, what we see most often is a successful offshore company wanting to bring their brand here and helping them structure and deal with the U.S. compliance as it relates to the global entity. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Very unique. Very much needed, I'm sure. That's great. Well, thank, thanks for being on Small BizCast, Chris. We started talking a few weeks ago about the, the hybrid workforce. You know, we're well into the pandemic and hopefully at the trail end of it, some of that might be reversing. We don't know. And so it seems very obvious that the hybrid workforce working both in the office and working remotely on some sort of modified schedule, it seems pretty obvious that's here to stay. We have new challenges and need new tools to manage them. And I thought you'd be the perfect person to discuss this. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to talk about the concept. And yeah, everyone's been given a new set of rules with no playbook and said, how do you make this work? It's been a challenge. What have you found in terms of your teams? How do you manage them currently? And what do you see the future to be? And the reason it's good to ask you this, you guys plan your name five years out. I'm sure you plan this way in advance. So for years, we've been preparing for a work from anywhere lifestyle, whether that meant from our primary office in Encino or a satellite office in surrounding cities around LA County. So we've been preparing for that experience prior to COVID. But what COVID does is it put that into warp speed to say, okay, now that you have the technology in place, how do you roll this out more broadly when people expect and demand to work from home? Think back 18 months, working from home was a perk. Now it's an expectation. So how do you incorporate that into your strategy? So what I found over the past 18 months was that the first six to 12 months was partly learning curve. How do I do this from a remote location? And then to use a a funny phrase, best thing since sliced bread. This is wonderful. This is amazing. I can wake up, sit at my desk in my pajamas and get my work done. I believe once that sugar high started to wear off, maybe about a year into this, then people started to miss the creation, miss the team environment and that culture that so many small businesses have was frankly being lost. And that's where I started to see things pivot about six months ago. And I could actually see this in my employees. There were certain employees, there was just an emotional wear and tear that you could see in a Zoom meeting just on their face. There was that loss of connection that we had to think, how do we replicate this in this new environment? And that's what led us to a hybrid concept where we try to have the best of both worlds. So the concept of what they used to call hoteling, they used, 
these call hoteling where an office would have several desks set up, workstations set up for people that would come and they would just be portable. They would just use the space as they needed and, and then go away, work from home, work for another office and so on. That's been around for many, many years. It hasn't really found a, a home in smaller businesses because smaller businesses typically have one location or two locations. And so the hybrid back and forth from home and and to the office hasn't really, even though the concept's been around, hasn't really taken hold. Of course, the pandemic forced that to happen. And I, I agree with you. In the very beginning, I think most people, most of my clients were, were thrilled to be able to just stay in business, let alone, you know, uh, be, be able to accommodate someone's modified work schedule, especially if they had kids that they had to help with school and so on. We're going to take a short break and be right back. Small BizCast is proud to support Fit for the Cause. Fit for the Cause is the leading organization in fitness for low-income and special needs communities. Founded in response to the national health crises, Fit for the Cause has used licensed and COVID-conscious trainers to keep their members active, even during the pandemic. Offering physical training, nutrition, and a variety of classes, members benefit from the same resources given to Special Olympic athletes. So stay active now by going to www.fitforthecause.org. That's fit, the numeral four, thecause.org. You may remember Janice Miller of Miller Haga Law Group from our episode, Saving Nigel in season one. Miller Haga supports businesses of all sizes from large to small. No matter what phase your business is in, from startup to wind down, Miller Haga Law Group acts as your innovative general counsel. Their experienced team of lawyers will keep the gears of your business turning. If you want to minimize your liability while maximizing your profits with competent and efficient counsel, contact MillerHaga.com for more information. That's MillerHaga.com. Document technology continues to be a challenge for businesses as they go back and forth from working remotely to working in-house. One of the challenges facing management is that documents need to be shared. They also need to be secured. There's privacy issues. There's access issues. Those are the types of things that keep people up at night. Mercury Document Imaging has been solving problems like these since 1982. We are in the unique position to leverage our years of experience with our tremendous resources to solve this and other similar problems. We do it economically. More importantly, we do it efficiently. So if you have issues that you'd like us to help with, please call 818-782-1221 or go to mercurydoc.com, M-E-R-C-U-R-Y-D-O-C.com. We are back. I'm talking with Chris Passmore, managing partner of Martini Partners, a CPA practice in Encino, California. The so much business gets done from the lunch, the working lunch, or even this just the casual lunch that where you know a little nugget of information is shared and so goes and something goes forth. A lot of companies tried to have weekly social social engagements. I'm not sure how well that worked. Um, and a lot of in the, from the technology side of things, there were tools to help keep people on visual workflows and and different tools to keep people engaged and collaborate. Uh, but it was very hard for everybody. And I can see this being something that as if it ter- as it turns into a marathon, creating that culture, cultural alignment is going to be very challenging. And I think that I, I have a feeling that the secret's going to be in the hiring. We're going to hire base a little bit differently than we did when we were all working face-to-face or in the same four walls. Oh, I agree. I, I've seen employees firsthand who've thrived in this environment and are very flexible and adaptive. And I've seen other employees really struggle. So I agree that the dynamic of the team is going to change. And that gets back to hiring to make sure that you've got the right team to adapt to the current 
work environment that you have for your business. So I agree, it does change the team need. And then talking about the hoteling concept, I personally think the hoteling is the outcome of the hybrid model, not the income or the output. I think the hoteling concept is the technology needed to support the hybrid model. But what really comes down to as a, a business owner and a manager is what does your hybrid model look like? And then you build your office around that concept, which may be hoteling or some other alternative. So have you changed your physical plant at all to accommodate this? So we haven't changed our physical build out. We were in a position that when COVID hit a year and a half ago, we were about max capacity. We had approximately one desk for each person. What COVID-19 and the whole hybrid concept allowed us to do now is to plan out the next five years and say, our real estate footprint does not need to change. Even though we were maxed out 18 months ago, what this now says is, I can now service 50% more people with the existing footprint by going to a hoteling concept for those who choose to work on a hybrid model. So I've seen companies who've scaled back their real estate footprint, and that could make sense if you're not growing. But for us personally, it gave us a avenue to secure our current position as it is for the long term without having to you know, break down walls and expand our footprint. Does it also allow you to hire from a bigger pool of people because you're not necessarily reliant on the geography of which and where, where they live? It definitely has opened that up. I would say that hasn't become our primary focus. We're not just looking to add 10 people who live in various states throughout the United States. Um, it does allow us to consider them. So if my team is 60 people and we get a great candidate who lives in Georgia, we would absolutely meet that person. But for us, and this is what I think is so important for a small and medium-sized business, you have to decide what's the identity and the culture of your firm. Uh, we decided for us as a firm that the primary team does need to see each other once or twice a week. So we're not moving to a full virtual environment or full virtual team with everyone spread out through the U.S. because we still want to have that personal touch. You mentioned it yourself. We want to have that lunch conversation from time to time and to develop and deepen those relationships. And you just can't replicate that in the virtual world. No, you really can't. You have clients all over the country, correct? Correct. So it gives you an ability, though, to have some people servicing some perhaps larger clients in other, in other cities, I would think, as well, and still be part of the primary team, right? Oh, correct. So there's definite efficiencies there. And that's why I think it's part of the plan. But each company decide has to decide what their primary plan is. Do you go for vo full virtual? I've known of companies that just said, we're closing down the office, everyone work from home. Right. Uh, and that's where you have to figure out the personality of your company and decide what's best for you. Right, right. I, I have a I have a colleague who's a, a part of a firm and they've been 100% uh, virtual for about 10 years. So the, there was no COVID disruption. They were just business as usual. And I think they did super well because they were already, you know, really doing well during, they already had everything down, all the tools they needed, the culture in place to do that. What advice are you giving your clients about staff management, accountability, validation of, how are you advising your clients to manage their staff and get the most out of them? I'd say there's two aspects here. There's the productivity portion. And to me, what a hybrid model really focuses on and where it can thrive is when you have very clearly defined key performance indicators or KPIs. Because then, and even in the virtual world, you can measure whether your team is being efficient and effective 
or not. You're saying absolutely clear communication of expectations is key. Absolutely. And measurable results. Right. So it's knowing as a team, here's how we're going to define whether we're staying on target and being productive or not. And here's the way we measure that. That allows you to evaluate the success of your team when they're in 20 different locations. So having clearly defined and communicated KPIs to me is the way to manage a hybrid model where you have a set of employees who are virtual. So that's the productivity side. And of course, you have to have the technology and you have to invest in the computers and the networks to make sure that there's no you know, IT hiccups that make working from home less efficient. Chris, are there um, different KPIs from a hybrid workforce than you would have if you were in a four wall KPI? You know, it's funny. They're probably the same, but the hybrid model forces you to really document and communicate them because you lose the ability to walk down the hallway every morning and just say, Hey, Jennifer, what are you working on today? Tell me, okay, here's how I can help. So it's funny that you mentioned that it's probably the same, but this makes you actually document, communicate and track on a formal basis where previously it was mostly informal. So this is interesting because to me, it means that as business leaders, managers, we are going to be better than we were before. We're going to be more focused on those fundamentals and that's going to help us whether we're working hybrid or working in person. I definitely think it will challenge all the business leaders to clearly communicate the expectations and form a system to track those deliverables. So yes, I would agree. That would make us all better. Even though we all did that informally, naturally, And we knew what to track every day when we saw people within the confines of four walls. But yes, this will make us actually improve the way we communicate that to our team so everyone knows what the expectations and the deliverables should be. Oh, no worries. So the other side of this to me is besides the productivity is the emotional and the the team and the personality and the well-being. So that's the other side that we need to be aware of as managers. It's not just the efficiency of the hybrid model is your team still connecting are they still looking for ways to improve the company as a whole are they contributing and coming up with ideas to improve customer client satisfaction are we still mentoring our employees our young people are we building them up and giving them opportunities because the thing that i've found over the past 18 months under the hybrid model the focus is get the work done make sure we meet our deadlines. And there was some loss of, are we building up our team? Are we training the young staff? Are we making sure that they're getting the one-on-one personal time that used to happen casually and now doesn't? So you have to make sure that happens. And that's the responsibility of the team leaders and the business owners. Have you added any technology tools to facilitate this? So the tools that we've had include a number of options like Teams and SharePoint and very various collaboration tools. Mm-hmm. But I haven't found that any of the tools really force you to make sure those interactions happen. So what we've done instead is to clearly document the expectations. So if you're going to be a mentor of a young staff, here's the expectation. You're expected to meet with them once a month. You're expected to have a live face-to-face once a quarter. So that was the real change that came out of the hybrid model. Almost the same as the KPIs, it made us clearly document the expectations for those soft skills in addition to the technical skills. I've seen 
in use through some of the clients I consult with. We've put in place visual project data tools. So you, so basically, every every project has a graph, and you and you're you're looking as a team on a daily basis where we are on that graph to make sure that we're moving projects forward, and everybody can see the same visual change from the prior day and where where we are. And I found that that sort of that visual visualization of our progress has really been helpful, which leads me really to back to where I started, which is where in the hiring. One of the challenges is that we have people that we love that have worked for us for a long period of time that may not be adapting to the hybrid model well. And as business leaders, it's really a responsibility, but it's also good business to help them develop the skill set that they may not possess naturally. And I found that to be one of the biggest challenges that we're facing and our clients are facing. Have you experienced that? And what have you done about it? We've absolutely experienced that. And the way we've approached it is to have a conversation with the employee who may be struggling from the hybrid model and ask what we can do to help, how we can help them be successful under this new concept. But after a period of time, if it's just not conducive for them, have the honest and upfront conversation and say, this model doesn't appear to be working with you. We really think you need to come in and be in the office and have that traditional work schedule that got disrupted with the hybrid concept. So I think it's a two-step process for those who have that challenge is one, see how you can help, give it a chance to improve. If not, have a frank and open conversation. Right. And has, has that been successful bringing them back in then? It has actually. I think if you approach it open and honestly and just say, hey, here's the things we've seen over the past few months. We know that this is likely a struggle in the hybrid concept. Maybe you don't have a great work from home scenario. Maybe you're working from your kitchen table and it's just distracting with your your family around. At that point, we just say, it's time for you to come back. We can have a great environment for you here. And we think you'll be more successful back in the office. Right, right, it makes a lot of sense. Is there anything else that you think that uh, that small business can do that big business can't do with regard to this? Sometimes sometimes small business is more agile and has more flexibility. And so I'm just curious what your position is on that. I mean, you actually hit the nail on the head. I think we can be more agile. So let's think about right now, uh, not to bring up COVID again, but we're now in a resurgence and the numbers are going up. I think small business can quickly go back to a work from home scenario if they decide that's right for the company. Where if you have a you know nationwide company with thousands and thousands of employees, it would be hard to bring people back in. Maybe on a hybrid concept, see that everything's changing and go back to a work from home. So I think. The, the beauty of the small and middle-sized companies is just that agility, that ability to flex based on the, the day-to-day needs. In terms of validating performance, you talked about the key performance indicators, and you said those have pretty much stayed the same, but now they're just more formalized. When you go back to working back in the office, do we still maintain that level of formality? Or do we go back to a a more relaxed environment when it comes to that? No, I I think you have to keep that level. I mean, you said it yourself. This is an improvement. This is a way to operate your business more effectively. So I think you have to keep those KPIs. You have to keep them documented. And especially as it relates to the hybrid model, you still might have a workforce that works from home two to three days a week. So you still need to make sure that the 
client and the customer need is being met. And so that reinforces the need to retain those documented KPIs, create dashboards. Maybe you use Microsoft business intelligence or some other form of uh, dashboard that works for your business to help you track these items. So I think this is a permanent change. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So what about compensation? Is compensation going to change? Do we pay people for working at home because our footprint costs us less to maintain? Or do we do we not have to pay as much because that's a perk of the job? What, what do you think about that? How is there, is there an effect on compensation? So this is going to be a decision that every company has to make on their own. Me personally, I believe whether you work from home or from the office, you're still contributing the same thing. So the compensation wouldn't change. I've heard an example from a, a professional services firm in LA and they'll make an offer to someone and say, you can make X if you work in the office and you can make X minus 10% if you work from home. Oh, minus. Oh, interesting. Minus. Wow. Minus 10%. And they've had success with it. So everyone's different. Me personally, I believe if you're still contributing the same, the compensation be, should be the same. Yeah, I believe in that too. And I also just from a, I like to keep things very simple. So uh, so you're working uh, 10% less for home. What, what happens if you come in three days a week? Is, are you going to stand at my door and say, I'm sorry, I need my 10% back. And then you'll argue, no, it's only half to get 5%. It just seems like it's a, a set of problems waiting to ha happen by, by having something like that. I'm not sure I like that concept. You know, my costs are lower if I have less office space. So I shouldn't be paying you less to not be here. So I, I just don't like that concept in general, but I can see where somebody would find it a perk to stay at home and might be willing to work that way. I just think it's taking advantage of that emotional possibility. Yeah. And think about the company side when you have someone working from home and in the office. So it's easy to say that maybe you need less rent, but you aren't acknowledging the increased investment in technology. So right. you might have two sets of technology, computers, monitors, of all the tertiary products that you need now in both places. You probably are gonna invest in your bandwidth for your connectivity on your, your data. So that's a significant investment. Sure. You're gonna invest in the employee's cell phone and internet costs. So I, I think there's two sides to this coin. Yes, rent may be favorably impacted, but I can tell you us from our company's perspective, we've invested significantly more in the technology and the accessibility and the security that we would not necessarily have done if everyone came to the office every day. No, that's an extremely valid point and one that's often overlooked. So thank you for, for making it. Yeah. It's true, it's true. I think that the future is gonna be interesting to see how this pans out from, uh, from the cultural perspective to see if companies continue to grow at the same pace. Um, I, I know of companies that uh, had a really you know, they actually did well for the pandemic, but they also mortgaged their future. So they, they now have to, the, the ripple effect is that there's less business now that that, that first rush is over from this. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things pan out over the long haul. Uh, any predictions? Yeah. I, I think the companies that are, that succeed are the ones that figure out the culture. I think generally most companies that I've worked with and for my company personally, we've figured out the client need. We've figured out the customer need. Now it's figuring out the internal team needs. So I think the ones that are going to thrive and do well are the ones that figure out how to continue to build their employees, how to hire the right employees, 
how to maintain that culture in this environment where your employee might work from home, might work from the office, may go to Colorado for a month and work from there. So how do you have a cohesive collaborative team? And I think it's the companies that figure that out that are going to do really well. And I also believe, I'm going to add to that, I think that that it's going to be a very good investment for companies to to invest in professional development among their teams and make that make that not make that an event but make that a process in which they grow because if culture is that which you are focused on it also chokes your ability to scale and so the way you mitigate that is you have to have professional development so you gently guide people into the lane you want them to be in with professional development so the culture doesn't doesn't uh, stop you from taking on people who might otherwise have great talent. Yeah. I mean, my motto has always been for my company, if I take care of employees, they'll take care of my clients. Yeah. That's a lesson that some people come to very late in, in their careers, but it's a, probably one of the most valuable lessons you could learn. It, 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 it allows you to lead your company and lead it in a way that, that creates exponential growth. So hundred percent, you have to take care of your staff. Yeah. And so that's my prediction. It's those companies that will do well. And I think all of us are trying to figure that out. We've all tried a dozen different ways to stay connected in this hybrid concept. And I don't know of anyone who said, ah, I figured it out. And this is how you do it. And here's the roadmap for you to, to emulate. Yeah. So that's what we're all trying to do and see how we can make this the best place possible. Very good. Well, thank you, Chris. I think you added a lot to this discussion and uh, it's a, lot, a lot of nuggets to learn from. So thanks for very much. Chris, thank you so much for being on Small BizCast. Uh, I learned a couple of nuggets. The first one is planning ahead really is an important task and you should schedule time to do that when you work on your business. And the second part of that nugget is to do it when you can in a collaborative fashion. Integrate your partners, your colleagues, your staff, mentors, anybody you can to help you just kind of think through what can go wrong and how to handle it if it does. So really appreciate the inspiring words and the story. Thank you for being on Small BizCast. Small BizCast drops every other Tuesday. Follow us on our socials for business tidbits and special offers. Thanks again for our sponsors, the Miller Haga Law Group and Mercury Document Imaging. And remember to support Fit for the Cause. And of course, thanks to my producer, Chaz Volk of Mr. Thrive Media. Couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much for listening. Hot dog. It's a wonderful life.